Wait, this four-letter word is loaded in meaning and practice. How do you feel about waiting? Do you enjoy a nice long wait? I don't know about you, but I don't like to wait. I don't like having to wait in line at the bank or the post office. I don't like being behind a challenged driver at the stoplight when the light turns green. I don't like having to pull into a gas station when all the pumps are occupied, so I have to wait for someone to pull away. I just don't like to wait. However, in our days, the whole world has been placed in a waiting period. This pandemic has drastically changed our world. We are waiting for the day that we don't have to hear the number of COVID-19 cases escalating, for the day that jobs are being reestablished, for the day that our children are going back to school without the fear of being infected by any virus. We long for the day that we can gather again with our families without the fear of being getting sick. We are waiting for the day that we come back to our church campus to have corporate worship. I want to get to see you, uh, Park City's Baptist Church, for the second time. I, I, I'm waiting for that day. I don't like to wait. However, in our case, we waited since last year for the Lord to confirm to us to come to a different city and to relaunch a different ministry. That, in fact, was a long process of waiting. And when we finally came, we just have one Sunday with actual people in the building. And then we went all virtual and digital since then. We waited to find the right home in the midst of the coronavirus and we completely relocated about two months ago. We have been waiting to connect with friends and church members in the area, but we have not been able to do so freely because of this pandemic. What about you? I am sure that you all have your own versions of waiting during these times, or perhaps during seasons in your life. I thought I would give us a pop quiz this morning, and I'm going to walk you through a few scenarios. I'm going to ask you to reflect on how you would respond to each of them. First one, you are in a tow booth. The driver in the car in front of you is having an extended conversation with the tow booth operator. Now think for a moment on how would you respond. The following are possible responses. A, you are so happy. You observe that they are doing the toll booth in community. You think about forming a small group with the toll booth operator and the other driver. I don't think so. B, you think of all the things you would like to say to the toll booth operator. C, you attempt to drive your car between the other person's car and the toll booth. C is pretty much me. Second scenario, you have been sitting in the waiting room at the doctor's office for about an hour. None of us have been there, right? None of us. <laughs> oh, how would you respond? Well, A, you are grateful for the chance to catch up on the 2020 Reader's Digest. B, you tell the other patients you have a highly contagious and fatal disease in an attempt to empty the waiting room. And see, if you have a little bit more of flavor for the dramatic, you force yourself to hyperventilate to get immediate attention. I thought about it, but I haven't done it. I can assure you, I haven't. Well, now these are fairly casual cases of waiting, and we put up with them daily. However, there are more difficult and serious 
kinds of waiting. There's the waiting of a, of a childless couple who longs to start a family, but day after day, week after week, month after month, their prayer goes unanswered. There is the waiting of a single person who is longing to see if God has marriage in a store for him or for her. There is the waiting of the person who longs to have a meaningful work or significant job, but it's not happening for them. There is the waiting of a spouse who is hopelessly trapped into a hurting marriage, but it seems unable to change. There is the waiting of someone suffering from a chronic disease who is hoping for a miracle, but instead of improving, is getting worse and worse. Lewis Smith puts it this way, waiting is our destiny. As creatures that cannot by themselves bring about what they hope for, we wait in the darkness for a flame that we cannot light. We wait in fear for a happy ending that we cannot write. We wait for a not yet that feels like a not ever, and so we wait. Let's look at the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 23 to 25, on what the Apostle Paul has to say about waiting. This is what the Word of God says. You have to remember that the Apostle Paul is addressing the group of home churches in Rome. They are desperate. They want to know about their future, and they are waiting. And it is in that context, it is in that context that the Apostle Paul talks about waiting. And this is what the Word of God says. Not only so, but we ourselves, we have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Well, how are you about waiting? Well, I want us to talk about the gift of waiting today, about waiting on the Lord. And the first premise I want to share from this scripture is that waiting for the Lord is an act of obedience. Paul gives us a command here from the Lord to wait upon him. So waiting, in essence, is the most difficult work of hope. And hope is what saves us. And hope, it is our faith. When we look through the scriptures, we see a God who is all-loving and all-powerful and all-knowing. God himself assures us over and over again in the scriptures to wait for him. This is one of the greatest mysteries in the scriptures. We do not know the why we have to wait, but he knows the why. Psalm 37, 7 says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. The psalmist goes on to say in verse 9, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Psalm 46, 10 says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Therefore, we wait because waiting is the most wonderful work of hope. Let me give you some biblical examples. Abraham, remember, 
father Abraham. God comes to Abraham when he's about 75 years old and says to him, Abraham, you are going to become a father. You will become the patriarch of a great nation. But it will not happen today. It will not happen tomorrow. Do you know how long it took for that promise to come through in Abraham's life? 24 years. So imagine, you are 75 years old, and then you have to wait 24 years to become a dad. That's just biblical waiting. That's just God's timing. Second, we see the nation of Israel. God told his children that they will become a great nation. They would also be able to leave the chains of bondage in Egypt and become an independent and a great nation. Do you know how long they had to wait? They had to wait 400 years. God told Moses that he would lead his people from the bondage in Egypt to the promised land. But first, they had to go through the wilderness. 40 years in a distance that could have been taken just few months. Then we see the great promise of the Messiah. One day, the Messiah would come. So God's people waited and waited and waited. Generation after generation, century after century, when God seemed so silent, the people waited. And strangely so, when he actually came, there were so few who actually recognized him because he was not at all what they were waiting for. Simeon and Anna were two who waited in him and recognized him when he came. They mentioned that it was worth the wait. You can read the words of joy in Luke chapters 2 and 3. Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ, came and lived and walked and breathed on this earth. He also taught us the kingdom of God is near. Translation, wait just a little bit longer. And the disciples kept wanting to, for him to usher in this new kingdom that they are waiting, they were waiting for, they were expecting. They wanted him to bring justice, truth, and revolution to the world. But instead, he was crucified, which meant more waiting. However, he rose again. And as he rose again to heaven, his disciples asked him one last time, are you going to usher in your new kingdom? Has our waiting finally ended? And Jesus did not answer to them. Instead, he gave them a command. He said to them, do not leave Jerusalem. Sit there and wait. So they did, and they waited, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, and the rest is history. However, this doesn't mean that the wait has ended for human race. The waiting goes on. Paul is describing it here in Romans when he says, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we have the Spirit of God, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption. There is that four-letter wait over again. Forty-three times in the Old Testament, God's people are commanded to wait upon the Lord. This idea of waiting upon the Lord runs through the entire Bible, from the first pages in the book of Genesis to the closing pages in the last chapter of the book of Revelation. The Apostle John concludes his book by saying, He who testifies this thing says, Yes, I am coming soon. 
more waiting, but in light of eternity, is soon. So hang on, Jesus is saying, hang on. And then John replies, he writes in response to those words, in the vision that he's having about the future, he says, amen, come Lord Jesus. Amen, come Lord Jesus. In other words, we are waiting and we have to wait. Down the centuries, God's people, his church, has been waiting and waiting. Now, the obvious question, at least for those of us who don't like to wait, is why? Why? This is a mystery, right? Why does God make us wait? If God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-loving, then why does God don't bring relief and answers here and now? I do not pretend to completely know the answer to that question, but I believe that Paul is giving us a clue of this mystery as a response. He announces that at least, in part, what is going on here is this. What God does in us while we wait is as important as whatever we are waiting for. What God is doing inside of you while you wait is just as important as whatever it is you are waiting for. Paul is saying that while we are waiting for God to make everything right, we suffer. However, in our suffering, God produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. God produces all these qualities in us while we are waiting. That means that biblically speaking, waiting is not only expecting what we want, our desires. On the contrary, waiting is part of the process of becoming what God wants us to be. <laughs> Let me repeat it again. Waiting is part of the process of becoming what God wants us to be. So let's look at this passage very carefully and what it means to wait on God. But before we do that, let me say something about what waiting is not. Waiting is not just passively sitting around waiting for someone or something to allow us to escape our problem. <laughs> that is not biblically waiting. Some people say, I'm just waiting on the Lord as an excuse not to face their reality or to take action or to own up to their responsibility. That's not biblical waiting. Biblical waiting is, in fact, confident, expectant, active, proactive, and sometimes a painful clinging to God. It is clinging to him no matter the circumstances. It is continuously saying to God, I am trusting you, Lord. That is biblical waiting. Waiting on the Lord requires a trusting heart. There are three requirements for a trusting heart, and therefore, for waiting on the Lord. The first one, a patient trust. Will I trust God that he has reasons for asking me to wait? I don't know what they are, but will I trust him that he knows what he's doing? Will I be able to remember that God sees things differently than I do? He sees them from the perspective of eternity. Peter writes about this on 2 Peter 3, 8, and 9 when he says to the church, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years 
like Kabzei. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, listen, instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. A thousand years is like one day to the Lord. His perspective is different from ours. That is what time does for you. For example, is your perspective the same at 65 years old than it was when you were 15 years old? Of course not. That's what 50 years would do to you. Our perspective is not even the same as it was five months ago. That's what the coronavirus has done to the whole world. Time changes your perspective. Can you imagine what an eternity would do to your perspective? God has a different perspective. His perspective is different. One economist decided to have a talk to God about this, and he asked him, Lord, is it true that a thousand years is like one day to you? And the Lord said, yes, my son, that's true. The economist said, then a million dollars to us may be like one penny to you. And the Lord said, yes, my son, yes, you are right. Well, Lord, can I have one of those pennies? And the Lord said, yes, just wait here a minute. You got to be quick. You got to be quick. You see, oftentimes we want God's resources, but we do not want his timing. We want the penny, but we don't want the minute. We want God's hand in our lives, but we don't want his calendar. We forget that what he's doing in us while we wait is just as important, if not more important than whatever it is that we are waiting for. Waiting for the Lord means that I trust completely that he knows what he is doing. It requires a patient trust. If you are a control freak, this is driving you nuts. You know, maybe you are single and you are still waiting. Very often our society assumes that marriage is normal and singleness is not. And you feel that pain of that stigma Perhaps you are longing for a legitimate feeling of intimacy with another person. And sometimes you feel it is so hard to wait. And perhaps you have a relationship in your fingertips that promises to take away all your loneliness. But you also know that maybe that relationship is not honoring God. But because of the pain, you are tempted to think, I am tired of waiting. I have waited long enough. You start thinking about settling for whatever relationship that would satisfy you in life because you are tired of waiting and you think you will worry about the consequences later. So I'm asking you today, I'm pleading to you today in that situation, are you willing to wait for the Lord? Are you willing to say, Lord, I trust you even though I don't feel like it and I no one understand how bad the pain is, even though, Lord, Lord, I am willing to trust in you. Maybe for you it's a dream of all you want to accomplish in life, a transcendent mark that you want to live on this world, something related to your work or ministry. And perhaps it seems that for some unknown reason is not happening to you. You don't know why. All you know is that it hurts. 
So you start to force it to happen, to manipulate it, and to use people to make it happen. Or perhaps you are ready to give up, not realizing the potential that God has for you by not giving up. I tell you today, do not give up. Do not give up. God doesn't give up on you. Are you willing to not quit on God, but to wait on him? The second thing that a trusting heart requires is a confident humility. Yes, I read it correctly. A confident humility. I know it sounds like a paradox, but listen to what the prophet Isaiah wrote. The fruit of righteousness will be peace. The effect of righteousness is confidence, quietness, and peace. The prophet said that the key of righteousness are these two characteristics. You cannot have peace without confidence. That's key. You cannot have peace without confidence. Confidence is the conviction that God is able. And because of that, we have a confident orientation about our future. We know that our future will be great. We know that this pandemic shall pass and it will be part of history, right? We are all hoping for that. Another element is quietness. That is the opposite of arrogance. Quietness is the understanding and realization of your own limitations. Waiting by the very nature can only be done by the humble. It needs to be done through grace and with a humble heart. To wait is to recognize that you are not in control. And for many, that's our problem. It is to recognize that you are not in charge. You are not in control. Yet, our society, we have created in our society an interrelation to waiting. The higher the status, the less you have to wait. That happens at the airports. <laughs> waiting is what builds character, perseverance, and hope. It reminds me that I am the creature and he is the creator. We are not waiting around, we are waiting on the Lord, the most powerful being in the universe, the only majestic God. And while we wait, he's doing something in us that requires a confident quietness and peace. And finally, the last requirement we see here to have a trusting heart is an expectant hope, an expectant hope. This is an inextinguishable hope. Paul puts it this way, for in hope we were safe. And he reminds us, hope that is seen is no hope. In other words, if I already see it, what do I have to hope for? But when we hope for this, which we cannot see, that becomes the process of waiting and depending on the Lord. We have nothing but to depend on him. We have many promises in the Bible for those who are willing to wait on him with an inextinguishable and expectant hope. We wait for him because we know that it will be worth the wait. As I read some of these promises, let them sink in your mind and in your heart. This is what God is saying to all of us, regardless of where you are, here in the metropolis or wherever you are tuning in today. This is what the Lord is telling us today. No one who hopes in you will be ever put to shame. 
Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help. He is our shield. For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. This is one of my favorite ones. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. And you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hopefully wait for me will not be put ever put to shame. You know, it says, since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. But as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for my God, my Savior. My God will hear me. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus Christ, who rescues us from the coming wrath. There's so many promises in the scriptures. Peter, at the age of 28, found out that he had a very aggressive type of cancer. He went home and he looked at his beautiful wife and two young children, and he looked toward heaven, and he cried out to God, and he said, why me, Lord? Why me? Good question. And maybe you know or have experienced what he experienced in that particular moment. He fell into a deep, long depression, and you could understand why. So his wife planned a hiking excursion because she knew that he loved to hike. So they went with their friends to this cathedral forest inside the woods. There was this cathedral forest and, and there a beautiful mountain and down the mountain there was a valley and down the valley there was a wonderful little lake with an impressive cabin. You have to make reservations many months in advance because it was a very popular place. So his wife went down to the cabin to make a reservation for the following year. And Peter stayed with his friends on the mountaintop. A few minutes later, he was falling into this depression again. And his friends asked him this typical cynical question, what's wrong, Peter? <laughs> what's wrong? And Peter said, everything is wrong about this place. Everything is wrong. The trees, the mountain, the lake, the forest, they have been here for a thousand years and will be here for another more thousand years. My wife is down there in the cabin making plans for next year and I will not be even here next year. You can understand why the pain, the suffering. In fact, Peter never made it back to the mountain. But it wasn't because Peter was gone. It was because the mountain was gone, the lake was gone, the cabin was gone, the forest was gone. It was all blown when Mount St. Helens erupted, and it was Peter who remained. God says, if you just wait for me, I will move mountains for you. And David cries out, if God will be for us, 
than who could possibly be against us. So today, August 2nd, 2020, Park Cities Baptist Church, we wait. Perhaps God is waiting on you to make a decision. He's waiting on you. Would you trust in him? Would you wait on him today? More likely, would you receive the gift of waiting? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. You are a powerful, majestic, all-knowing, all-loving God. We come to you with faith, with humble hearts. We were reminded today through worship and through the scripture reading that what you are doing in us while we wait, it is as important as whatever it is we are waiting for. We wait for the day that we are reunited with you, Lord Jesus. But while we are here, help us to hear your voice. Help us to be diligent to serve you. Help us to honor you. Help us to serve others. Lord, help us to hear your voice in the simple acts of life. Lord, today we repent of our sin and we come before you and we tell you, Lord, that we love you because you love us first. Lord, thank you for loving us with an unconditional, never giving up type of love. Thank you for your love, for your mercy, for your faithfulness, for your compassion. And Lord, help us to see things maybe as you see them in your perspective. And help us to receive today the gift of Jesus. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the eternal life that you have given to us. Thank you because we can celebrate today and we can say, Lord, thank you. You are good. I pray for all those who are tuning in today. You know them by name and you know what they are waiting for. And I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit will be, will be ministering to their hearts and minds and that they are growing spiritually while they wait. And that all of us, all of us will bring glory and honor to your name. Lord, your will, nothing else, nothing less, but your will in our hearts. That's our prayer in Christ's name. Amen and amen.